Church family, it's such an exciting time to open God's word with you. I am George Adu, a pastoral resident here at First Free. And um, before we get into the word, would you please join me in prayer to our great king? Our sovereign and glorious God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for sending your son to us, who is the radiance of your glory. His light is sufficient for us, even in the darkest of hours. As we have seen and sung of your goodness, we are reminded of your loving kindness and faithfulness. So we pray for all in our congregation suffering sickness. Father, we ask for healing for them. Above all, may they find comfort in your Son, who comforts us in our pain and suffering. We also lift up those going through financial challenges. Father, please provide for their needs. And we also know that it's your desire, Lord, to see all people come to know you and to repent and receive your generous grace made available through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we lift up members of our congregation who are serving as we speak in Kentucky with the Rich Global's Lake Charles Disaster Relief. Father, may their trip be filled with joy as they serve those with physical needs. Grant them many opportunities for them to share the gospel. We also pray for ISI, To Me, and World Impact. We ask your blessings on their ministries in and around Wichita. We specifically lift up the new initiative by World Impact. We pray that their goal to reach our prisons with the gospel is a success. Provide for all their needs as well as they seek to provide seminary education to inmates who are believers. And we also bring the needs of our global partners to you and their work among the nations. We pray for the Buginese people of Southeast Indonesia. Father, may they see how the good news stands far and apart from Islam and animism. We ask that you make their hearts receptive to the gospel. We pray for Kate, who is working in the Balkan regions to make disciples. Lord, may this region see gospel impact and also churches planted. Father, encourage the college students who are working among these people. May the Balkans experience true religion, which is found only in King Jesus and his gospel. As we conclude our series in the book of Matthew, Lord, give us listening ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see the great need of our world and give us hearts to understand your will in our world. May your word encourage us and give us hope. Hope in you, God, as our great resource from beginning to end. May we be equipped by the preaching of your word to bear fruit of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I am asked, George, why did you choose to come to First Free as a resident? 
two things jump up. First is faithful preaching. And second is missions. I don't know many churches who do both faithful preaching and missions so well as first free. And I get to preach the Great Commission. So I hope that I get to encourage us all to stay on mission, to continue to do what we are doing, and hopefully be challenged as well. Would you please turn with me to Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Every ambassador is under orders, under orders of a country and its elected president. So ambassadors do not act on their own authority because they report to someone higher up. Ambassadors also get resources, resources from their home country to do the work and execute the mission in their, sending, um, in their field country. And in the same way, the church is made up of ambassadors. Like ambassadors, we are under authority. We are under authority of our king, King Jesus. And as ambassadors, we report to this very one king. We are not only under orders. We also have tremendous resources given to us by our king. But the problem is that, church, we often see our marching orders, and jump straight at it, forgetting sometimes our privileges that comes along. The Great Commission is great, but it is great because it comes from our great king, who sends us on his mission with his best resource. And my hope for us is for us to see our great resource as we go about our great responsibility as a church. From the Passion account, we see how Jesus is handed over. Matthew uses this word, handed over, several times. And it is to draw our attention to a very important word. It is a key word. Jesus is handed over by God. And then he's handed over by the religious authorities who hand him over to Rome. And the Roman authorities crucify him. The text before us shows how resurrected Jesus is now handed all authority. And with this authority, he sends his disciples to go make disciples of all nations. And so we are going to see how we should go about making disciples. In showing the how, we get to see our need of Jesus. And the question is, how do we make disciples? 
we will see how making disciples involves first showing up to meet Jesus. Second, believing in Jesus' authority. Third, doing all Jesus says. And fourth, having confidence in Jesus' assurance. All these four observations show our need of Jesus in making disciples. So first three, we need Jesus to make disciples. This is my sermon in a sentence. We need our king who has all authority to make disciples. How do we make disciples? First, we show up to meet with Jesus. We see this in verse 16 and 17. The first observation in our text is that the 11 disciples gather in Galilee as directed by Jesus. They are not a complete 12, but they show up. And we know Peter betrays Jesus, but he shows up. And yes, they flee when Jesus is arrested in the garden. But there is something about this very invitation. It comes from the one who extends forgiveness. And so they show up because of who Jesus is. This invitation comes in Matthew 28, verse 10. Jesus says to the woman, Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So up they go. They go up to the mountain in Galilee to Galilee of the Gentiles, to Galilee where it all began, where the Sermon on the Mount was preached. But why Galilee of the Gentiles? We shall soon find out. And when they see Jesus, they worship him. They submit to King Jesus, to Jesus who is God present in the flesh. And we are all called to worship Jesus as our king. Worship is our right response, church, to our Savior and King. But Matthew says more. He tells us that some of the disciples had doubts. The word translated doubt occurs only two times in the whole book of Matthew. In Matthew 14:31, we see the other occurrence, where Jesus saves Peter from drowning. As he walks towards Jesus on the water, do you recall what Jesus says to Peter? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You of little faith shows us that doubt is a component or a part of little faith. So doubt is not meaning having no faith. And the disciples who struggle with questions show up. Our questions, church, should not excuse us from gathering with the corporate body. Rather, we make ourselves available. We show up. The question then is, are you showing up to our gathering or are you forsaking the assembly? Like those with little faith, all of us need Jesus. Those who had doubts could have stayed home, but they showed up. They could have gone fishing, but they showed up. They showed up to the gathering, the gathering with the can. Did you catch it in verse 17? Verse 17 reads, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. To make disciples, we need to first show up. And when we show up, we get to hear Jesus' words. His word changes everything 
including doubt. And we are called to believe what he says. So to our second observation, we should believe in Jesus' authority. We should believe in Jesus' authority. Jesus has all executive power in heaven and on earth. Verse 18 begins the well-known great commission we have. The word all holds these verses together. If you see in, in the text, you may want to try counting the word all, maybe after service. Um, it's so important. And I want to pause here to just show us how this unit holds together. Picture an Oreo cookie. Um, how many times do you see kids eating an Oreo? What do they do with it? From my own home, I've seen this, that they take the chocolate part away and jump, they jump straight, straight, a beeline to the sugar frosting. They miss the whole intended design of the cookie. And miss the full taste of it. I think we often approach the Great Commission in the same way. We go straight to the command, make disciples, without taking hold of our privileges, which comes before and after the command. When we do this, we risk seeing our marching orders from our kin as a burden. But when taken together as a unit, it becomes a very joyful mission. Jesus giving all authority means all authority has been handed to him. Jesus never says all authority in heaven and on earth has been taken by him. Rather, it has been given. It has been given to him by God. This very same Jesus who is handed over by the religious authorities, handed over to the Roman authorities, and above all, handed over by God himself, is now handed all authority. This means as disciples of Jesus, we need not fear any heavenly or spiritual powers because we know who is in charge in heaven. It is King Jesus. Jesus is in charge in heaven. And what about on earth? Disciples of Jesus are not to fear any human power, be it political or otherwise. Jesus' disciples are not to fear any human power because Jesus has more executive power than any power on earth. More executive power than Rome. In fact, Rome submits to him. He's got all of this from God. We know this because verse 18 alludes to Daniel 7.14, where the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days and is given all authority over all peoples, over all nations, and over all languages. Church, as disciples, we don't seek to take power on earth. We seek to rely on our king who has been given all executive powers. This is why Jesus asks us to pray in Matthew 6, 9, like this. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The power from heaven is sufficient for the ministry God has called his church to do on earth. And in Matthew 18, verse 18, his authority to his church is even made more explicit. He says, Truly I say to you, 
whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. How do we make disciples? He who is the head of the church, his body, empowers his body to make disciples. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He says he has all authority, and so his disciples should get to work. We should believe what Jesus says. And our belief should rightly inform our action. Therefore, we don't only hear and believe. We also do what Jesus says. And this is our third observation. To make disciples, we should do all Jesus says. When Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, he means all, all nations. Including every nation today that comes to mind as being very difficult. And the nations here is not a reference to geopolitical states. Rather, nations is a reference to ethnic groups. This command is important because of verse 18. All nations will answer to this very one who has been handed all authority. All nations will answer to King Jesus. In Matthew 25, 32, we see a picture of the final judgment where all the nations are gathered before the Son of Man. This is why, church, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, the whole world, before the end comes. This mission to disciple all nations is also why Galilee of the Gentiles is very important. Galilee of the Gentiles takes us back to the beginning of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, where in the genealogy we see Jesus as a son of Abraham. It takes us back to the beginning of our Bible in Genesis, where the promise to Abraham is made in Genesis 12. Galilee of the Gentiles is important, and that's why Jesus commands his disciples to meet him there. Abraham then becomes a blessing to all the people of the earth through Jesus. This means the king of the Jews is also the king of all the nations. It is to him that every knee will bow. Make disciples of all nations. Now, that is a huge responsibility. The last time I checked, there were over 13,000 ethnic groups in the world including my very own. How are Jesus' disciples going to finish this task? Only by humbly depending on him. Depending on him who has all authority. Verse 19 begins this way. Go, therefore. Go is important. Very important. But so is therefore. Jesus is saying, I have all authority, therefore go. We are to go make disciples. We go because we trust and obey our king. But then we also go because we love the lost. We are to go not only across the ocean, but we are also to go across our street. The world has become a global village. So yes, let's go to Mauritania. But also, let's reach the Afghans in Wichita. As we prioritize ethnic groups, 
who have never heard the gospel, let's not forget about those in Wichita in need of the gospel. And we do this because we are under authority. We do this because we report to someone higher up. And our aim in going is to make disciples. A disciple is simply a learner or an apprentice. Maybe in our contemporary language, a student. Someone who gets training. And in this case, someone who is trained to follow Jesus. In those days, students who complete their training under rabbis had the right and privilege to begin their own school, to teach their own students to become like them. But Jesus calls his disciples to do something different. They are to bring the nations to his school. They are not to have one school belonging to Apollos and another to Paul. For there is only one Lord and teacher in this school. And we see this in the process he lays out for them. They are to baptize the nations, not in their name, but in one name. There is something. There is something about this name. This three in one name. Did you catch it? He says, baptize in one name. But the name is three in one. This is the Trinity right here, church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the triune name shows God's ownership of all disciples. It also shows who Christ is. Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. What we also see here is that baptism is part and parcel of making disciples. Baptism unites new believers with the body of Christ. Baptism brings new disciples into the community with other disciples. It is a visible entry into the school of Christ, the church. The New Testament has no category, no category for unchurched disciples. Baptism is also a means of grace. And I recommend a sermon by Pastor Jordan Green to, to you if you want to know more about how baptism is important to our discipleship. The command to make disciples don't stop at baptism. This is because Jesus is not simply looking for converts. He's looking for disciples. Jesus commands his disciples to teach the new converts, to teach them to observe all he has commanded. And we don't get to pick and choose which command to teach. We see these commands in the five discourses. The whole book of Matthew has five huge block texts full of teaching by Jesus. And each block text shines light on what Jesus commands us to do. Let's take a look at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. It shows us how Jesus did not come to abolish the law of God. Rather, he came to call us to greater obedience to God's law. Jesus has a very high view of Scripture, the whole of Scripture. He says in Matthew 5.18, Until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. God's law is not abolished in Jesus. It is elevated higher. 
And so Jesus calls us to not only stop hating our enemies in Matthew 5, he calls us to actively love and pray for our enemies. These teachings in Matthew are meant to be obeyed. So teaching the nations is not simply teaching for head knowledge, but for obedience, where our actions are formed as a result of our transformed hearts and shaped in submission to our risen king. And this is not a great suggestion. It is a command of our king. And we are to obey him. Jesus' disciples have no authority to change the game plan. Teaching follows baptism in this order, as we see in our text. And Jesus never tells us when his disciples will graduate from his school. This is not a four-year college program. This is the school of life. A life of long obedience. So yes, we are to go. We are to baptize and we are to teach. So as a church, we ought to care for all of these three, which makes up the Great Commission. Going, baptizing, and teaching are all part of making disciples. And we need Jesus to help us to get this work done. Because only God causes hearts to respond to his word right from the beginning to the end. Only God saves. So our responsibility to go make disciples should make us seek his presence. Let's seek Jesus in his word. Let's seek him in prayer. We need Christ to go with us. And Christ has promised us his very presence, the very best of our resource. So we should have comfort in Jesus' assurance. This is our fourth and final observation. We should have comfort in Jesus' assurance. King Jesus assures us of his all-day and everyday presence. Therefore, this is not a lone ranger kind of mission. Our king, with all authority, is with us. Jesus says, I myself, I myself, I am with you. That's how it reads in the original language. I myself, I am with you. It is very emphatic. Jesus is our major resource on his mission. His very presence gives us strength. I am with you should give us joy. Jesus never said, I will be with you. He says, I am with you, even right now. Jesus is with us when we feel like it, and Jesus is with us when we don't feel like it. He's with us in our valleys, and he's with us on the hills. He's with us in our storms, and he's with us on the high seas. He is with us when we gather and he's with us when we go out. He remains our balm of Gilead. Emmanuel's presence should give us the motivation we need to stay on mission and spark in us a sense of joy. As one preacher put it, you cannot faithfully serve the gospel if you do not personally enjoy the gospel. Let me say it again because I like it. You cannot faithfully serve the gospel 
if you do not personally enjoy the gospel. Think about this for a moment. How do we see our faith in Christ? When unbelievers see us, do they see this faith we have in King Jesus mixed with joy? Unbelievers need to see this resurrection hope we have in Christ. Christ is not our burden. He's our king. He's our savior. Also notice how Emmanuel is with his disciples who are on his mission. The assurance of the great I am is tied to one mission, a single mission, to make disciples. This is good news for disciples who remain on Christ's mission. Jesus' authoritative presence is not to serve our own little agendas. King Jesus' presence serves King Jesus' mission and his agenda. Jesus is with his disciples always to the end of the age. This is not the first time in the book of Matthew that we see Jesus give his disciples assurance of his personal presence. In Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. He who is the head of the body, his body, is always with his body. He is with his body today as we gather, and is with us when we go out. To the very end of the age, to the tying up of all history, he says, I will build my church, and the gate of Hades will not prevail. This is the assurance we have as the body of Christ. We lay claim to this great privilege we have as we go about our responsibility. King Jesus' church is the gathering of the baptized and the gathering of the trainees. This commission has passed on to us right from the beginning, from the early church. It is ours when we gather on Sunday, and it is ours when we go out. When we go out into the world from Monday even to Saturday. The personal assurance of Christ bookends the whole gospel of Matthew. Um, it, it was it's just fascinating to just see it. In Matthew one twenty three. Matthew says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Matthew concludes his gospel with another emphatic assurance of Jesus. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Emmanuel's abiding presence is with us, church, with his disciples who trust and obey him. First free, the Great Commission is Jesus' mission. It is our mission. In an age of distraction and discouragement, we need to see the world as God sees it himself. A world filled with people. A world filled with people who are either in or out. In God's kingdom or outside God's kingdom. It is this reason our world needs to hear the gospel proclaimed and lived out by us. God has guaranteed our success 
with the resurrection of his son and the power of his spirit all to the praise of his glory. So let's remain on mission. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. Let's baptize and teach obedience of all Jesus has commanded. And as we teach obedience, we should be a people who first obey our king. And we do all he commands without forgetting our privileges in him. He has all authority. He has all executive powers. And he calls all nations to repentance. So if you are here and you've not placed your faith in Jesus, receive the gospel today. Receive this gospel of forgiveness and salvation today. Christ's acceptance of you is not based on your own strength. It's based on you turning away from your sin and turning to him who alone is Savior. Then you get to serve him as your king. You get to serve King Jesus. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, to whom you've given all authority, all executive powers in heaven and on earth, and to whom all flesh shall appear in judgment. Father, give us fresh eyes to see your authority, which empowers your mission, so that we draw on you for courage, courage and joy to share our faith humility and obedience to do your will. Let's embrace your daily presence in our lives, in our homes, and in our church, in our neighborhoods, and in our world. As we go, open hearts, O Lord, to be receptive to the gospel and bring about obedience in the faith. In King Jesus' name we pray. Amen.